President Biden and his top staffers continue to lie about endemic American racism. Prosecutors declined to charge a cop in the death of Ashley Babbitt while moving forward with charges against a cop in the death of Dante Wright. And the activist media moved to pressure corporations to echo the racial resentment politics of the Democratic Party. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Well, Joe Biden was elected to be not Donald Trump. That was the main mandate for Joe Biden. His mandate was not to completely remold America. His mandate was not to act like Bernie Sanders on economics or to act like Louis Farrakhan on race. And yet this is exactly what we have been getting from the Biden administration. His top appointees have all been echoing the Nicole Hannah-Jones, ta Coates nonsense about how America is rooted in endemic racism and that it is the job of the Biden administration to completely remake all of America's institutions in a mold of equity. And this is the critical racial theory nonsense. This is the idea that all of the institutions of America are shot through with racism and tearing them out at the root and replacing them with something more equitable, namely top-down government control seeking equality of outcome rather than equality of enforcement of rights. That should be the goal. And every day it becomes clear that this is what Biden is up to, which is an incredible thing because, again, this guy is a lifelong, semi-corrupt politician whose entire career has basically been putting his finger in the wind on a variety of issues, ranging from abortion to criminal justice reform. And this is a guy who is in favor of locking up criminals until he was very much against locking up criminals. This is a person who is against busing until he was quasi in favor of busing. This is a person who used to be kind of anti-abortion until he was super pro-abortion. And Joe Biden is not the person you would go to for a principled stand. And yet here he is staffing up his administration with a bunch of radicals who have extremely principled stands. All of their principles are wrong. But their stands are extremely principled and not at all or in any way moderate. The latest example of this is U.N. Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield. So she is a Biden appointee. And remember, this is the U.N. Ambassador. This is the person who speaks for the United States on the world stage. So under Donald Trump, this is people like Nikki Haley. There's people who went to the U.N. and basically told all the other countries on Earth, we're the United States. Our value system is indeed superior. And you really ought to give us a listen. Meanwhile, you have the Biden administration trotting out to the U.N., a person who says that America is steeped in bigotry and racism, that America is a terrible place. Here is Linda Thomas-Greenfield, the U.N. ambassador, speaking to the National Action Network, which, of course, is Al Sharpton's group. By the way, it remains a source of astonishment to me that Al Sharpton is well accepted in the halls of democratic power. Uh, for, for a bunch of folks who say they really don't like race riots, they seem to be kind of okay with it when it's Al Sharpton promoting it. In any case, here was Linda Thomas-Greenfield speaking to the National Action Network and explaining that the United States is a deeply racist place founded in racism with founding principles shot through with racism. I grew up in the segregated South. I was bused to a segregated school. On weekends, the Klan burned crosses on lawns in our neighborhood. I shared these stories and others to acknowledge on the international stage that I have personally experienced one of America's greatest imperfections. I've seen for myself how the original sin of slavery weaved white supremacy into our founding documents and principles. We wove white supremacy into our founding documents and principles. This is precisely the opposite, the opposite of what Frederick Douglass, an actual former slave, suggested in the lead up to the Civil War when he said that the Constitution of the United States is a liberty document. And the problem was that the promissory note of the Declaration of Independence had not been fulfilled for black Americans, but the foundational principles of the United States were indeed universal. 
It's precisely the opposite of this that is being promoted now by the Biden administration. What she is saying there is so despicable. To say that on the world stage is so despicable. I mean, that's what she's saying. She said, on the international stage, I go around to countries like China, which is an extraordinary human rights oppressor, or Iran, and I tell them that I've experienced oppression in the United States on the basis of race, not because there are evil people who misinterpret America's founding documents, not because America has a fraught history with race that is filled with darkness and that we have overcome gradually and with tremendous success, statistically speaking. No, what I say is that America's founding principles, the principles we still stand upon, are shot through with white supremacy. She also added, quote, racism is the problem of the racist and it is the problem of the society that produces the racist. And in today's world, that's every society. Right. So if there is a racist in the United States, that's because of society producing that racist. The society itself is evil and cruel. She also said that she believes white supremacy was the key factor that led police to kill both George Floyd and Breonna Taylor last year. Again, there is zero evidence. I mean, zero evidence that George Floyd was killed because of his race. Not one person has brought a single shred of evidence to suggest that he was killed because of his race. It's simply a, a conjectural point brought out by people on the left who want to back a narrative that every time a black person dies at the hands of a white cop or is involved with a white cop, because we don't even know at this point, given the medical evidence, whether George Floyd died because of Derek Chauvin at all. Anytime there's a situation involving a white cop and a black person who dies in custody, it must be because of endemic American racism. Same thing with Breonna Taylor. Is there evidence that if Breonna Taylor had been white, she would still be alive? Where is the evidence on that? Considering they fired blindly through the through the door. They shot her by accident. Okay, this this whole notion being promoted by the Biden administration. It is a lie that America is endemically racist. It is a lie that America's founding principles are shot through with racism. They're explicitly couched in universal human terms. That is why the United States has been able to adapt to a more diverse population. It's why the United States has become one of the most racially tolerant places on planet Earth. On planet Earth, do you know where black people on planet Earth have the highest household income? Wait for it, the United States. It is not close. Okay, but the idea is that the United States, every part of the United States is shot through with racism because the bigger you can make the crisis, the more deep you can make the crisis in America's soul, the more you need the heavy hand of government to cure it. This is the real pitch that Biden is making. See, if there's one thing that unites Biden's agenda throughout his career, it's that government can solve the problem. And if you want bigger government, which is what Joe Biden wants, he wants more control. He wants more control over your life. He wants his administration to have more control over the things you do every day, over the systems under which you live. But in order to justify that, you better have some sort of crisis that you can cite. So there are many types of crisis that Joe Biden has attempted to cite in just his first few months in office. He's attempted to use COVID as a crisis, even though it's on the wane, which is why you've seen his entire scientific establishment embracing false nonsense about how the vaccines are not all that effective. And after you have them, you can't go to a restaurant and all this. And he's attempted to play up the COVID crisis in its waning days so that he can ram through $4 trillion in spending and then call it infrastructure. Right? You've seen him play up the crisis of climate change. Right now, it's a climate emergency. We have to do something. If we don't do something, then it's going to be the day after tomorrow. Dennis Quaid is going to be wandering through the streets of Brooklyn, trailed by a tsunami of ice. Right? This kind of crisis nonsense. And now you're getting the crisis at the heart of America's soul. Okay, here's the thing. The United States elected a black president twice. That does say something about the United States. The current vice president of the United States is a black woman. The United States again, has the highest household income for black people of any country on planet Earth. And the notion that the United States is deeply shot through with racism, is, it is a lie. It is a lie that is specifically designed in order to promote the ability of people like Joe Biden to control all the aspects of your life. And it's being promoted day in and day out by this administration. It's why you have Joe Biden himself, Captain Moderate, 
out there saying things like parts of our country are backsliding into Jim Crow. Name the part of the country and how anything they are doing right now looks like Jim Crow. You can't because it's an abject lie. It is disgusting. I'm sorry, it is a moral outrage that Joe Biden is suggesting that Georgia is sliding back into Jim Crow. Georgia currently has a black senator. Stacey Abrams is maybe the most powerful political figure in Georgia right now. Black Americans have been outvoting their share of the population in Georgia in the last couple of elections. What in the hell is he talking about? Sliding back into, like, is he, he should know what Jim Crow is. He's old enough to remember it. He's old enough to have negotiated and been friends with people who were in favor of Jim Crow was Joe Biden. How dare he suggest that 43 states across America attempting to, attempting to verify electoral information amounts to a new form of Jim Crow. It is a lie, but again, the lie is designed for a purpose and the purpose is top-down control. The larger you can make people think the crisis is, the more they're willing to hand this doddering old moron control of their lives. Here is Joe Biden being a doddering old moron and a a morally abysmal one at that. Parts of our country are backsliding into the days of Jim Crow, passing laws that harken back to the era of poll taxes when black people were made to guess how many beans, how many jelly beans in a jar or count the number of bubbles in a bar of soap before they could cast their ballot. Again, he says this to Al Sharpton's group. Again, Al Sharpton, one of the great race baiters in American history. What the actual F is he talking about? Can he name a law that looks like anyone in America being forced to guess the number of jelly beans in a jar to vote? Can you name anything remotely like that? Of course he cannot, because it's a lie. It is not true. Where's the, where's the fact check on this? Where's PolitiFact on this? I know PolitiFact will fact check Tim Kennedy for the great sin of suggesting that totalitarian regimes seek gun control, which happens to be true. But they're not going to fact check Joe Biden for saying for months that Jim Crow is happening, that America is racist in its, from its inception, that America's DNA is rooted in this stuff, and that right now in America, there are people who want black people to have to guess the number of bubbles in a jar in order to vote. But it's just a lie. It's just a lie. And your media who are gaslighting the living hell out of you, they're telling you that they are the fact checkers. They are the people you should trust. No wonder no one trusts the media because they are just the PR wing of this garbage administration. It's so vile. Okay, what he's doing is immoral. It is immoral to suggest that your fellow Americans are in favor of Jim Crow because they disagree with you about voter ID. And it is and it's even more immoral to use those lies as the predicate for an assault on individual rights and free market economics, which is exactly what Joe Biden is doing. And it's throughout his administration. We're gonna get to more of this in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that my kids have been keeping me up all hours of the night. That means I need my coffee. Need it right now. And that is why I love Black Rifle Coffee. Black Rifle Coffee is delivering your daily dose of freedom, one delicious cup at a time. Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-owned coffee company serving premium coffee to people who love America. Veteran CEO and founder Evan Hafer spent over seven years on the ground overseas with U.S. Special Forces and as a CIA contractor, Evan even modified his gun trucks during the invasion of Iraq to grind coffee anywhere. With the company's buy a bag, give a bag campaign, they make sure to give the gift of America's coffee to those that serve around the globe. In 2020, they donated over six million cups of coffee. With every purchase you make, Black Rifle gives back. Black Rifle imports their high-quality coffee beans from all over the world and roast five days a week at their facilities in Tennessee and Utah. The team at Black Rifle Coffee, they're continually researching, experimenting with new roasting methods and coffee origins. I know the guys who run Black Rifle Coffee. They are awesome dudes. I've hung out with them. True patriots, awesome people. Go to blackriflecoffee.com slash Shapiro. Stop giving your money, by the way, to a bunch of coffee companies who hate your guts. Instead, give it to blackriflecoffee.com slash Shapiro. Get 20% off your purchase. That is blackriflecoffee.com slash Shapiro. Go check them out right now. Okay, so it is not just Joe Biden himself or his UN ambassador who promote this bizarre notion that America is racist in all of its institutions. It's also 
people he's attempting to put in positions of power with regard to the legal structure of the American government. So Kristen Clark is Joe Biden's nominee for Assistant Attorney General of the United States. And she is, as far as I'm aware, a race baiter par excellence. She just Anything she doesn't like becomes racist. This is the new mantra of the Democratic Party, by the way. Anything I do like is infrastructure. Anything I don't like is racist. How racist is Kristen Clark? Well, she once argued that the human brain was structured in a way that makes black people superior to white people and that, quote, human mental processes in the brain have chemicals that imbue one race with superior physical and mental abilities and spiritual abilities. Clark claims that this racist diatribe was mocking the controversial book, The Bell Curve. But Clark also happened to invite a Holocaust-denying fraud named Anthony Martin, then a professor at Wellesley College, to speak at Harvard. Around the same time Clark was writing unrecognizable satire about black supremacy, she was calling Martin an intelligent, well-versed black intellectual who bases his information on indisputable fact. That's weird because uh, he wrote a book called, uh, this guy wrote a textbook called The Secret Relationship Between Blacks and Jews, which blamed Jews for the slave trade and also wrote the Jewish onslaught published by Nation of Islam leader Louis Farrakhan. Her notion that she was penning these, these letters on race as sort of a parody of the bell curve is about as plausible as her assertion today in front of the Senate that her Newsweek op-ed titled, I prosecuted police killings, defund the police, but be strategic, wasn't actually about defunding the police. Okay, in 2019, she signed a letter supporting Tamika Mallory, the Louis Farrakhan supporting Women's March co-founder, who asserted that, black, that Jewish people bore a special collective responsibility as exploiters of black and brown people. Now, Kristen Clark could have made the case in her hearings that she has moved beyond her youthful hijinks, she didn't actually make that case. And in fact, the truth is that Kristen Clark is a racial radical. Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas questioned her about her viewpoint on Michael Brown. If she is such a, a racial moderate now, if she has moved beyond the radicalism of the past, why is it that years after it has been conclusively determined that Michael Brown was not unjustifiably shot by Officer Darren Wilson in Ferguson, Missouri, and that hands up, don't shoot was a lie? Why is it that Kristen Clark continues to maintain the fiction that Michael Brown was shot for reasons of race gunned down by a white police officer for no reason. I'm asking you a simple factual question. Was Officer Darren Wilson justified or not in the shooting of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri in 2014? Based on the facts that I know, I'm not privy to the details that the federal government may have been privy to in the course of its investigation. As a private citizen, there is something that feels unfair. Well, my you, you, you obviously do not want to take the position that the shooting was justified despite what Eric Holder and Benita Gupta have said, given the fact that you won't answer the simple question yes or no. I mean, it's just incredible. So that person is a person that Joe Biden wants to be the Assistant Attorney General of the United States. But don't worry, guys. They're not politicizing the, the DOJ in any way. By the way, here's a list of things that Kristen Clark has called racist. Senator Mike Lee, my friend from Utah, here he is going after Kristen Clark's claims of racism on pretty much everything in American life. Ms. Clark, I want to read a non-exhaustive list of, of um, elements of American society, uh, elements that you have at one point or another described in the past as racist. Police departments, federal agencies, Airbnb, election laws designed to combat fraud, the workplace, America's DNA, the Virginia Military Institute, the healthcare industry, federal courts, and the Department of Justice. Okay, um, and now she's going to go work at the Department of Justice where she has worked before. So no, this is not a radical administration in any way. Again, the idea here is that if you create crises, a crisis of the soul, American racism, a crisis of the economy, inequality, a crisis of global climate change, a crisis in terms of COVID, then you can do whatever the hell you want. And 
It justifies any sort of crazy action, which is why you are seeing Democrats introducing legislation, I kid you not, to expand the Supreme Court. They're doing it. House and Senate Democrats are introducing legislation today to expand the number of Supreme Court justices to 13 from nine. I wonder why 13? Why, why 13? Could it be because right now there are six Republican appointees on the court and they just want to appoint four Democrats? Could it be that? Could it be they want to outnumber the Republican appointees on the court seven to six? Or um, probably not. Probably it's just, you know, objectively, they think 13 is better than nine for no reason at all. It's time to shift the number of Supreme Court justices for the first time in like a century and a half. And we should do that for sure, just for no real reason, guys. I mean, we just kind of should, probably. The radical power grab being attempted by the Democratic Party on the basis of false crises that do not exist is astonishing right now. It's astonishing. If you fall for it, you're a damned sucker. We're gonna get to more of this in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that if you ever get carsick or if you've ever been hungover, pretty terrible feeling, nausea, not a lot of fun. Well, my wife tends to get carsick a lot, which is why we've been using Relief Band. It's the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. The product is 100% drug-free, non-drowsy, provides all-natural relief with zero side effects for as long as needed. The technology was originally developed over 20 years ago in hospitals to relieve nausea from patients, but now, through Relief Band, it's available to the masses. How it works? Relief band stimulates a nerve in the wrist. It travels to the part of the brain that controls nausea, and it blocks the signal your brain is sending to your stomach, telling you that you're sick. Relief band is the only over-the-counter wearable device that has been used in hospitals and oncology clinics to treat nausea and vomiting. If you know somebody who deals with nausea, relief band makes a terrific gift. My wife has been using it because pretty much every time we drive, she gets car sick. As the world's opening back up, don't let the fear of nausea keep you sidelined right now. Relief Band has an exclusive offer just for Ben Shapiro listeners. If you go to reliefband.com and use promo code Shapiro, you will receive 20% off plus free shipping and no questions asked 30-day money-back guarantee, so you got nothing to lose. Head on over to reliefband, R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com. Use our promo code Shapiro for 20% off plus free shipping. Okay, so Democrats are now attempting to expand the Supreme Court. They've been talking about this for a while. It's not going to go anywhere because it requires basically a filibuster-proof majority. There's nothing here that is even remotely connected with reconciliation. This is not a budget bill, so it would require a filibuster-proof majority, which they're not going to get. The bill, led by Senator Ed Markey, Democrat of Massachusetts and Representative Jerry Nadler of New York, is the first legislation in recent years designed to add seats to the high court. Its introduction comes as progressive organizations are pushing for court expansion after watching Senate Republicans fill three Supreme Court vacancies in four years under Donald Trump. Brian Fallon, former Hillary Clinton aide, executive director of the liberal group Demand Justice, said the bill represents, quote, a new era where Democrats finally stop conceding the Supreme Court to Republicans. I do love the revisionist history where the Supreme Court has been a bulwark in favor of conservatism. In the last 10 years, we have found out that the Supreme Court believes that same-sex marriage is mandated by the Constitution of the United States and that the Civil Rights Act of 1965 covers men who believe they are women. These are things, that this, what a bulwark the Supreme Court has been, guys. Incredible, incredible bulwarking there. President Joe Biden has said that he is not a fan of the idea. Instead, the White House announced last week the creation of a bipartisan commission. Now, is this really going anywhere? No, but it is a signal of where Democrats would go if they actually had the power to do so, which is why you should never give them the power to do so. And again, all of this is predicated on the lie that America's systems are thoroughly corrupt and need to be torn out at the root. And this is the widespread feeling in the Democratic Party. There's a reason why, if you ever see polls of how people feel about their own party, Democrats are always highly satisfied with their own party, while Republicans are always highly dissatisfied with their own party. The reason is because Republicans look to the Republican Party and say, why aren't you cutting government? Why aren't you defunding Planned Parenthood? Why aren't you doing the million things that you have said that you will do? Democrats look at the Democratic Party and they say, I know that you promised us the moon, 
But the truth is, you're at least trying to get there. We see what the utopian end goal is. And you guys are trying to get there. This is why Democrats always come home in a way that Republicans very often do not. And one of the things that's, that's sort of amazing about the Democratic Party is that for all of the talk about how Republicans are terrible at ousting radicals from their own ranks and stuff, Republicans got rid of Steve King. Republicans didn't elect Roy Moore. Can you find a, a Democrat in Congress who's still in Congress? Because I think Max Rose is no longer in Congress. Can you find a Democrat in Congress who's willing to say nary a word, a word at all about Rashida Tlaib or Ilhan Omar and the fact that they're blatant anti-Semites? Are you willing to find a Democrat anywhere in America? I'm talking about just a rank and file Democratic voter to acknowledge the anti-Semitism problem inside the Democratic Party, to acknowledge that hanging out with Louis Farrakhan is actually a bad look, to acknowledge that Joe Biden is addled. Or you can find a lot of Republicans who will say bad things about their own politicians. You never get it from Democrats ever. Why? Because they all have the same utopian goal. And unless they're liberal-minded Democrats who are willing to stand up to the radicalism inside their own party, this is just going to continue. Because even the most radical people in the Democratic Party, the people who the mainstream Democrats sort of tut-tut, it's not that they see those people as doing something bad. It's not that they see those people as having bad principles. It's that they see the most radical among them as just too committed to the cause. They're just too committed. It's the same way they look at Antifa rioters in Portland or Black Lives Matter rioters in every major city in the United States. You know, it's, it's not that they are doing bad things or believe bad things or are, are acting based on false information. No, it's that they're just too committed. They're just too ideologically pure. So long as that's the take of the Democratic Party, we're in serious trouble. We'll get to more of that in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that you spend a lot of time in front of screens. I spend a lot of time in front of screens. You get real headaches if you spend too much time in front of screens. This is why you need a pair of Felix Grey glasses. Felix Grey glasses filter 15 times more blue light from screens than other clear blue light lenses. High quality frame materials make Felix Grey durable, super lightweight that can be adjusted to fit. The original optical lenses relieve most eye strain symptoms from daily screen time, and the more advanced sleep glasses relieve serious daily eye strain and were especially designed for late night screen time to improve sleep, which is a big thing for me. I, I pop on those Felix Grey glasses if I'm going to watch TV before going to bed, which I very often have to do because I have like 15 minutes to relax between the time my children go to bed and the time I have to go to bed. Felix Grey frames are hand-finished from Italian acetate, making them durable, lightweight, super comfortable. Blue light lenses come standard starting at 95 bucks or... Add your prescription at checkout starting at 145 bucks. If you don't love your glasses, in the first 30 days, their in-house customer care team will take care of exchanges and returns, no hassle and no questions asked. Felix Gray Glasses, they're designed for the 21st century. Go to felixgrayglasses.com slash Ben. Shop glasses that work as hard as you do. That is felixgrayglasses.com slash Ben. F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash Ben. Free shipping, free exchanges, 30-day money-back guarantee. You got nothing to lose. Felixgrayglasses.com slash Ben. Okay, so when I say that the Democratic Party is willing to tolerate its own radicals because they think that those people are well-intentioned and have only the best ideas. Let me point out James Clyburn. So James Clyburn, who is a person who said radical things on his own, he is a person who helped elect Joe Biden president. I think it is safe to say that if James Clyburn did not exist, Bernie Sanders would have been the Democratic Party nominee. It was James Clyburn who motivated the voting base in South Carolina during the Democratic Party primaries to push Biden in that Super Tuesday. Super Tuesday, it really was super for, for Biden. It elevated him above Bernie, who had all the momentum. So Clyburn was asked about the fact that Rashida Tlaib has now called for ending the police. Rashida Tlaib, in the aftermath of the Dante Wright shooting in Minneapolis, said it's time to essentially abolish policing and incarceration, by the way, which good luck with that. So James Clyburn, who's a much more responsible politician, was asked about this. And instead of him saying, that's crazy, what the hell is she talking about? He says, I understand the passion. I understand where she's coming from. Whenever Democrats talk about AOC or Rashida Tlaib or Ilhan Omar, it's always with the tone of sort of, what my cute but slightly wayward mischievous child and 
you know, they really just, they're just so pure and innocent of heart. And maybe they'll learn to be a little more practical as time goes on. Here's the thing. If you don't, if you don't excise the radicalism now, it is absolutely infectious and it is infecting the rest of the Democratic Party. Here's James Clyburn. You have efforts to get this George Floyd Justice and Policing Act passed to get it through the Senate. And it's going to be an uphill climb. Do you think her comments hurt the cause, though? No, I don't think they do. Uh, I think she's expressing her frustrations and what she hears from her constituents, and I can understand that. But we need to pass this Justice and Policing Act uh, just because uh, it gives us the kind of tools that we need uh, to deal uh, with police officers who are not good. Okay, part of the game here that's played by the mainstream Democratic politicians is you see these these you know these rabid radicals on our left here. You know they have all the right intentions, but you don't really want them controlling you. They, you want us controlling you. So what you really need is for us to pass a bill like this, so we have the tools. We'll protect you from these crazies. But also the crazies—they're not that crazy. I mean, like you understand where they're coming from. Okay, now here is the reality: all of this is built on the lie that America's policing is shot through with systemic racism. So let's talk about that for just one second, because since we've been using anecdotal evidence rather than data to support this bizarre position, let's use some anecdotal evidence. Okay, so here is what happened in the Dante Wright case. So Dante Wright resists arrest. He's pulled over. He resists arrest. He was apparently a person with a pretty serious criminal history, for example. And so the police may have known that when they ran his license plate and when they pulled him over. In any case, he decided it would be a wise idea to resist arrest and jump back into his car. As it turns out, this was not a wise idea. But beyond that, he was, in fact, the victim of a piece of police abuse. Right? The, the officer in question meant to shoot him with a taser and instead shot him with a gun and he died. Okay, now, what is, the, what is the logical outcome of that? The logical outcome of that is that the police officer has now been arrested. The police officer has been arrested. Her name is Kim Potter. She's been arrested and she's probably going to go to jail for manslaughter. Okay, that is the predictable outcome of how a justice system should work. And she's going to manslaughter. She's going for manslaughter, even though, again, the idea from the left is that that Dante Wright is a completely innocent, wonderful human being. Two things can be true at once. One, Dante Wright could have been a career criminal who tried to run away from the police. And two, the police still should not have shot him with a gun. She should have used a taser. And if you mistake your taser for your gun, you go to jail for manslaughter. Both those things can be true. By the way, on the Dante Wright criminal history, the Daily Mail is reporting that he choked a woman and threatened to shoot her if she didn't hand over 820 bucks she had stuffed in her bra, court papers obtained by the Daily Mail allege. That's the case that led to a warrant for his arrest at the time he was shot and killed by the officer, Kimberly Potter, in Minnesota on Sunday, leading to days of unrest. Apparently, he was pulled over for having expired license plate tags although he called his mom and told her it was for having an air freshener hanging on his rearview mirror. While checking his details, they learned of the warrant. So it turns out that that, that may have infect, affected the police officer's more aggressive behavior. But bottom line is, what happened in that particular case? If America's justice system were truly racist, then the idea here would have been everything's fine. Everything's fine. But you know what happened? The officer is probably going to go to jail. According to Mediaite, the Minnesota police officer who fatally shot 20-year-old Dante Wright, an unarmed black man pulled over for driving an SUV with expired license plates, will be charged with second-degree manslaughter. The Brooklyn police officer Kim Potter is a 26-year veteran of the department. If convicted, she faces up to 10 years in prison or a fine of up to $20,000. She did resign from her job. The Brooklyn police, the Brooklyn Center police chief also resigned on Tuesday. Okay, so does that sound like an abjectly racist system? Seriously, does it? Does it sound like a super racist system that the police officer who shot a man who resisted arrest at being out on a warrant for 
threatening to kill a woman with a gun to steal money from her. The police officer who mistook a taser for a gun is going to go to jail now, as presumably she should based on the available evidence. Does that sound like a deeply unjust racially biased system? Let me put on the table another story for you. Okay, Ashley Babbitt is the woman who was killed during the January 6th riot. She's the only person we know of who's directly killed during the January 6th riot. We still don't know how Officer Brian Sicknick died. He did not die at the at the place. He was not hit in the head with a with a uh, an emergency fire piece of me with with a fire extinguisher. Uh, that that story turns out not to have been true, as far as we are aware. So that means that the only person who was directly killed during the January 6th riot was in fact Ashley Babbitt, who was by all accounts unarmed. Right? Ashley Babbitt was climbing through a a broken piece of window uh, to invade the Capitol building, and a police I mean it's all on tape a police officer who was inside a door, shot up at her and killed her. Right, that, that is the story of Ashley Babbitt. Now we are learning that an investigation conducted by the U.S. Attorney's Office for the D- District of Columbia determined there is insufficient evidence to support a criminal prosecution of the officer in question. We still, by the way, don't know the identity of the officer in question. We do in the, in the Minnesota case. Right? We knew the identity of the officer like pretty much right away. Authorities had considered for months whether criminal charges were appropriate for the Capitol Police officer who fatally shot Babbitt. The DOJ's decision, though, expected officially closes out the investigation. Prosecutors said they had reviewed video of the shooting along with statements from the officer involved and other officers and witnesses, examined physical evidence from the scene and reviewed the autopsy results as well. Okay, so let me just put it this way. If Ashley Babbitt had been a black person associated with Black Lives Matter and been shot by a cop unarmed in this way, there would have been riots. Is there any doubt about this? I, I, would, I would, really, I'd love to hear the counter argument on this. If the officer had then been let go, if they had said, you know what, justified, she was, she was unarmed and she was climbing through a window and an officer shot her. Do you think that people in the media would have been like, oh, no problem, it's fine. And if you see the, the reaction from the left, that is the reaction from the left. The reaction from the left is Ashley Babbitt had it coming because she was a January 6th rioter. But as we have found out over the course of the last year, you can be a Black Lives Matter rioter and go loot and burn things. And the media will treat you as though you are some sort of racial justice hero. It's pretty incredible stuff. So if we're talking about the bias in the system, I'm not seeing it there. I'm not seeing the racial bias in the officer who shoots Ashley Babbitt, no problem. The officer who shot Dante Wright is charged for manslaughter. That doesn't look like racial bias to me. That looks like either objective justice being done or like maybe a little bit of racial sensitivity running in favor of the, uh, running against the white woman who got shot because that woman had been black. I think that the story would be completely different in the Capitol riots. And this plays into the Floyd case as well, into the George Floyd case. We have heard from, every member of the Democratic Party, that the George Floyd case is a case of American racial bias. I ask you, any evidence of this? Seriously, any evidence? George Floyd was high as a kite. He was resisting arrest. Other people in his car were telling him, stop resisting arrest, George. They tried to deal with him for 45 minutes. He pushed his own way out of the car. He was shouting, I can't breathe, before he was out of the car. And and yet somehow this has to do with race and racism. And not only that, the media treat it as just unquestionable that it had to do with race and racism. Well, here's the problem. What's going to happen if Derek Chauvin, I keep saying this, what happens if Derek Chauvin gets acquitted? Or what happens if there's just a hung jury? Riots. Riots are what's going to happen. We'll get to the latest in the Chauvin trial because that continues apace. We'll get to that in just one second first. 
And let us talk about the simple fact that there are a lot of dudes who are dealing with issues that they don't actually want to talk to a doctor about because they're embarrassed about it. But here's the thing. If you've got a medical issue, you ought to go get it solved no matter what it is. That includes something like erectile dysfunction with Roman. You can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Ben. Complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and have it taken care of. Go to GetRoman.com slash Ben right now. You get 15 bucks off your first month. It's time to take care of that ED. I mean, if you've got an easy solution here, guys, why not just go take care of it? Remember, get started today. You'll save 15 bucks on your first order of ED treatment. That is GetRoman.com slash Ben right now for 15 bucks off. G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N.com slash Ben right now. You get $15 off your first month of ED treatment. You got a problem? Go get it solved. GetRoman.com slash Ben for the special offer. Okay, in just one second, we're going to get to the latest in the Chauvin trial. And then we'll get to our garbage activist media, which is complicit. They, in fact, are the main drivers of the propaganda effort aimed at the heart of the United States and, and its principles. We'll get to more of this in one second. First, it's already episode five, and I know that you can't get enough of Candace Owens or her brand new show, Candace. If you haven't checked it out, I don't know what you're waiting for. Candace hosts a lively series of guests each week for a discussion panel, interviews, and her signature, Cancel Corner. That's my favorite part of the show. This week, she hosts my friend, Adam Carolla, who is awesome. Tune in. You're not going to want to miss their conversation. The show streams on Fridays, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central at dailywire.com. But you can get the audio podcast, Candace, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts right now. So if you need some Candace Owens in your podcast feed, look no further. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe today. Be sure to leave a five-star review if you like what you hear. You're listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Alrighty, so meanwhile, in the Derek Chauvin case, it's becoming increasingly clear each and every day that, at the very least, reasonable doubt would be justified. Uh, that would certainly be a justified finding by the jury. The defense is laying out its case. Basically, this thing has turned into what the Wall Street Journal is terming a clash of experts. According to the Wall Street Journal, the murder trial of Derek Chauvin has shifted into a battle of expert testimony in its final days, with a forensic pathologist testifying for the defense Wednesday that George Floyd died of cardiac arrest because of heart disease, and the death couldn't even be ruled a homicide. The testimony from David Fowler, the former chief medical examiner for the state of Maryland, contradicted prosecution expert and buttressed Chauvin's defense that drugs and health problems doomed the 46-year-old Floyd and not the former Minneapolis police officer kneeling on him in the prone position for nine minutes. I mean, frankly, I find that much more plausible. Right, Fowler said that, that he died of cardiac arrhythmia. That seems much more plausible. Uh, my, uh, my colleague, Matt Walsh, had a good thought experiment. Let's say that you had a choice today between taking the amount of fentanyl and meth that was in George Floyd's system or having a 140-pound man with 40 pounds of gear kneel on your shoulder for nine minutes. Which one do you choose? Also having a 75% artery blockage. Which, which one of those things do you choose? Either all the health conditions on the one hand or a guy kneeling on your back for, for nine minutes, 49 seconds. A good thought experiment. Doesn't mean that it's just positive, but to pretend that George Floyd's prior health conditions, we already have testimony that he had been hospitalized for, for an overdose just a few months before. We have the medical examiner, the original medical examiner suggesting that if he'd found George Floyd dead in his apartment, he immediately would have ruled it as an, as an overdose. You know, the, like reasonable doubt when it comes to causation seems like, a minimum here almost. Here's the defense medical examiner, David Fowler, saying Floyd died of cardiac arrhythmia. Did you form, in your opinion, to a reasonable degree of medical certainty, what you thought was the principal cause of Mr. Floyd's death? Yes. And what is that? 
cardiac arrhythmia due to hypertensive atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease during restraint. Okay, he didn't just say that. He also added that this notion that, that prone position makes you unable to breathe is just not true. Cops routinely use the prone position on people. It does not mean that you die. In certain situations, people are examined in the prone position. There are therapeutic maneuvers where people are deliberately placed in the prone position. Um, one of the best examples right now is COVID, where patients will be put in a prone position, which is face down, and it improves their ability for oxygen um, exchange, not decreases it. So, you know, the prone position by itself um, does not have, or at least there is no evidence right now that that is a significant issue. So Fowler said that it was not a profound low oxygen state induced by the police via subdual restraint and positional asphyxia that caused Floyd's heart to stop. He said instead it was Floyd's exceptionally fragile physiological condition, a condition unknowable to the arresting officers, according to legal insurrection. According to the defense narrative, it was Floyd's own physiological fragility that killed him when he chose to subject himself to the justified use of force by police officers compelling his compliance with lawful arrest, including his forcible 10-minute struggle with multiple police officers and subsequent restraint. This, again, makes a fair bit of, of common sense. The, the reality is that the medical examiner that was brought forth last week by the, by the prosecution, the testimony that they could tell just from the tape alone that the, the cause of death, I find that almost impossible to believe. I find that really, really difficult to believe. I'm not the only one. There are legal analysts on Court TV. We've had them on the program talking about this. I've never seen anything remotely like that in a courtroom. Somebody suggesting that they can watch a videotape and determine cause of death had nothing to do with drugs simply by watching somebody breathe on tape from a distance of 10 to 15 feet. Like, I, I, it's a magical ability if that is the case. Fowler looked at the autopsies. Fowler looked at the available information. He said, you know, one thing that is worthwhile noting here is that the defense is that the prosecution has completely shifted its case, which, by the way, it has. Originally, the prosecution case was that it was it was Chauvin's knee on the neck that cut off the circulation of oxygen to the brain and thereby killed George Floyd. Then it turned out that the defense had pretty good evidence that, in fact, Chauvin was not on his neck for nine minutes, 49 seconds. Not only that, Chauvin was not using the kind of hold in any case that actually cuts off oxygen to the brain. In fact, this is what the medical examiner testified yesterday, Fowler. Based upon your review of the uh, video in this case, did you observe Mr. Chauvin's knee obstructing the carotid artery of Mr. Floyd? That knee did not obstruct either carotid artery. And even if it had obstructed one, the carotid artery on the other side, plus the two vertebral arteries would continue to supply the brain with enough blood for it to function. Okay, so here's the bottom line. If Chauvin ends up in a hung jury, there will be riots. And we all know there will be riots and everybody's preparing for riots. And that's why the media love this particular case. You may notice that as soon as a case is disposed of with the officer going to jail, it just, it's, not, it's never a headline again. It's just not noticed. When you have Walter Scott in South Carolina who's shot in the back by a police officer running away and the police officer then drops a gun next to the body and then that police officer goes to jail for murder, that does not become a riot. Why? Because it's pretty obvious what happened. Everybody agrees what happened and the officer goes to jail. In the case of, of Dante Wright, what you're going to see is if the officer is tried and convicted, there will be no riots. Right? In, in, in uncontroversial cases are not the ones that the media love. 
The media love the controversial cases because what they like to do is impute bad intention to people who actually look at the evidence. And this is all part and parcel, again, of driving that crisis mentality. America is in a state of constant crisis. And if you don't take a side, then you are on the side of evil. And this is being driven by the media. We'll get some more on this in just a moment. First, the financial experts said we were in the clear. While experts anticipated rate cuts, inflation in the United States remains a significant economic concern. Think about it. The United States right now is in the hole by $34 trillion. But we're going to keep spending. And we're going to keep printing. And that's going to keep pushing up those prices. So you can bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversification, always a smart financial strategy. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation. Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They'll help you convert your existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. You're not going to pay a penny out of pocket. Gold is part of my savings strategy. I get it from Birch Gold. They've been the exclusive gold partner of The Daily Wire for over seven years now, literally helping thousands of our listeners. They can help you as well. Text Ben to 989898. Get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist about protecting your savings from persistent inflation with gold. Text Ben to 989898. Right now, diversification, always a smart strategy. Text Ben to 989898 to get started. In an act of activism that, that is just, it's clear activism. This is not journalism in any way. The New York Times has now printed a piece of quote-unquote journalism. It's not journalism. It's basically McCarthyite lists. It's from Andrew Ross Dorkin, Jason Karayan, Sarah Kessler, Michael J. Delamar said, Lauren Hirsch, and Efrat Livni. Okay, so it's 87 people writing for the New York Times. The CEOs who didn't sign a big defense of voting rights. Hundreds of leaders and companies signed a letter opposing strict limits. They did not. Does this sound like activism or journalism to you? When somebody doesn't sign a letter? When's the last time that was news? There's a collective letter. I didn't sign it. Was there a letter on all the people who didn't sign the Harper's Weekly letter? Was there, was there like a big story about that? No. The goal here is to pressure all of these corporations and to pretend that they are in favor of voter suppression and the new Joe Biden-esque Jim Crow if they don't do exactly what the New York Times wants them to do. Our media are just the activist propaganda wing of the Democratic Party at this point, and they are the ones who are pushing forward into the private sphere all of the lies being told by the Democratic Party. Here's the New York Times. Amazon, BlackRock, Google, Warren Buffett, and hundreds of other companies and executives have signed a new statement opposing any discriminatory legislation that would make it harder for people to vote. The statement, which ran as a two-page ad in the New York Times, comes amid a flurry of voting-related proposals from Republicans who have generated competing calls for corporations to take a stand and to stay out of politics lest lawmakers retaliate. Just as notable as the names who signed the statement are those that didn't. Ooh, ooh, those evil corporations staying out of political matters that don't involve them. Those evil, nasty corporations not doing what the New York Times tells them to do. There are some notable omissions, says the New York Times. Many companies declined to sign the statement. Some executives, such as Warren Buffett, signed for themselves, but not on behalf of their companies. Coca-Cola and Delta declined to add their names, perhaps fearing more blowback for earlier statements and also not feeling the need to speak again. J.P. Morgan Chase declined to sign the statement, despite a personal request from senior black business leaders to Jamie Dimon, who made a statement on voting rights before. Doug McMillan, Walmart's CEO, who also chairs the Business Roundtable Lobby Group, sent a note to employees to explain the company's position. He said, we're not in the business of partisan politics. While our government relations teams have historically focused on core business issues like tax policy or government regulation, Walmart and other major employers are increasingly being asked to weigh in on broader societal issues such as civil rights. The company didn't sign the statement, but, quote, we do want to be clear. We believe broad participation and trust in the election process are vital to its integrity. So they're all going to be bullied into speaking on topics that have nothing to do with their companies and that are controversial at the very least. And the media are just going to push this stuff. They're going to push it as hard as they possibly can. The virtue signaling will continue until America is all better, which is why you get Ben and Jerry's announcing that they don't like the police anymore. So free ice cream for everybody, gang. Seems to me that if Ben and Jerry's doesn't like the police, next time somebody robs Ben and Jerry's, 
They have nobody to call. Quote, the murder of Dante Wright, murder, not manslaughter, murder of Dante Wright is rooted in white supremacy. Again, what's the evidence this is rooted in white supremacy? And results from the intentional criminalization of black and brown communities. Intentional criminalization. I mean, again, Dante Wright shouldn't have been shot. Also, Dante Wright was a criminal. That's not intentional criminalization of Dante Wright. The man was a criminal. There's a warrant out for him and he resisted arrest. Says Ben and Jerry's, the system can't be reformed. It must be dismantled. A real system of public safety rebuilt from the ground up. Okay, I look forward to uh, to all of the free ice cream for everyone. Meanwhile, Coke is realizing that they have made a very large mistake. Coca-Cola is now striking a conciliatory tone after coming under pressure from conservatives, according to the Washington Examiner, which shows that there is hope moving forward for conservatives. And that is stand up on your hind legs and stop giving into this crap. The soda giant based in Atlanta was absent from that list of more than 500 corporations and individuals that signed a statement condemning any election legislation that would, quote unquote, restrict voters from having, quote, an equal and fair opportunity to cast a ballot. Coca-Cola said that the company had not seen the letter, but is certainly open to hearing their perspective. They said, quote, we believe the best way to make progress now is for everyone to come together to listen, respectfully share concerns and collaborate on a path forward. We remain open to productive conversations with the advocacy group and lawmakers who may have differing points of view. Why? Because they felt it in the pocketbook, right? That's all that happened here. They felt it directly in the pocketbook. And this is true of all of these corporations. They're all virtue signaling because they know that the left is attempting to eat them. That's all. By the way, this is also true for some of your favorite places like the NBA. It turns out that the NBA, according to Clay Travis's outkick, has been outsourcing to Chinese companies who acknowledge that they've been using slave labor cotton. This is according to Clay Travis. So the same people who are virtue signaling at you about how America is a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad, racist place, that same league, they're, they're pushing companies that overtly engage in Muslim slave labor, according to Tr- Clay Travis's outkick. He'll be joining the show a little bit later on today. Okay, so should we push back on this? Of course we should push back on this. And there will be success if we do push back on this. This is the point. The left is pushing and they're pushing, they're pushing, they're pushing a false narrative about you. They say that you are a racist if you believe in America's systems. They're pushing a false narrative about America's founding principles. And they're using that as a fake crisis in order to ram through tremendous change to a system that is not only functional, is the greatest system created in the history of mankind. So it's time for the pushback. Be part of the pushback. Don't be part of the surrender caucus. All right, we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of content coming up soon. The Matt Wall Show airs at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to check it out over at dailywire.com. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Knowles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our assistant director is Pavel Wydowski. Editing is by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant is Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. The DOJ has announced that the officer who shot Ashley Babbitt will not be charged with a crime. The Biden administration has its feet held to the fire during the White House press briefing over its abortion policies. And CNN brings a trans athlete on the air to explain why men actually don't have an advantage over women in sports. All of that and so much more today on The Matt Walsh Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, 
let's say you were a stormtrooper and you were enjoying a nice meal of roasted Ewok in the Death Star mess hall. Well, all of a sudden you hear the voice of Alec Guinness saying, use the force, Luke. The next thing you know, the entire place is going up in flames around you. And it's at this moment you really wished you had life insurance. Make life insurance part of your financial planning this year. Start shopping right now with Policy Genius. Find the right policy and protect your family. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from top companies and find your lowest price. Luckily, Policy Genius helps you compare your options from top companies and their team of licensed experts. Well, they're on hand to help talk you through it. No added fees. Your personal information remains private. It's super satisfying to check life insurance off that to-do list. A good life insurance plan can give you peace of mind that if something happens to you, God forbid, your family will be able to cover mortgage payments, college costs, or other expenses. Life insurance through your workplace might not offer enough protection for your family's needs. It's not going to follow you if you leave your job. Head on over to policygenius.com right now. Save time and money. Give your family a financial safety net with Policy Genius. Head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro or click that link in the description. Get your free life insurance quotes. See how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash Shapiro. Hey, 